How would your life change if you were making $2 million a year in your business? Correction. There are some expenses, so you're bringing in a little bit over 1.5 mil. How would your life change? What would you do with that kind of freedom? Would you move out of your house into a nicer house? Would you buy a new car? Would you retire your spouse so that they don't have to work anymore? What would you do with that kind of freedom? That is what we see in this week's podcast guest, John Lee Dumas. And you can go back to the previous episode, episode number one of this podcast, to hear his full interview. But that is an interview. That is a conversation with someone who has made it so far in his online business that he's now able to write, as he said so himself, six-figure checks to charity. I want you to imagine what life would be like when you make it to that point. The crazy thing is that he did that with one podcast and one crazy idea almost 10 years ago, when podcasts weren't even a thing. Welcome to the companion episode. In this episode, I'm going to teach you three things that John Lee Dumas is doing very right in his business. And you can start applying to your business right now so that you can start to see your success catapult from here. And if you're in the middle of your workout while you're listening to this, just make sure to stop the treadmill before you take your finger and swipe it over to the reviews section of your app. Give us a five-star review while you're there and say something nice that really helps support the show. And thanks. This is The Global Phenomenon with Ina Coveney, the podcast where the self-made teach you to stop waiting to be discovered and prepare to be found. And before we get started with teaching you the three lessons we can learn from John Lee Dumas' business model, I am going to answer some of your questions. You can submit a question for this segment of the podcast by going to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com. Ask your question and I will answer it on the air. I am an online presence expert, which means that I can help you get a larger following online, get your business set up online, get your product sold the right way to the right people. And also, there's some mindset work that we all need to do to step out there as global phenomenons. So any questions you have about your business or about doing what I just said, come ask me and I will answer it for you. Today's question number one comes from Susan Scullin. You can find her at susanscullin.com. And she is a health coach who used to get shit done. And when she became a mom, found her biggest achievement was wiping a bum. So now she helps moms live the life of their dreams. All right, Susan, this was your question. Creating what you want is all about belief and taking action. What tools, mindset or otherwise, do you use to ensure you stay in your own lane, especially when there's a lot of noise around you? That is a great question, Susan, because I, I need to first clarify the premise of your question, and then I'm going to answer it by giving you the tools that I use. So 
let's understand the premise of the question. The question says that you should be staying in your own lane and there's a lot of shiny objects all around you telling you, hey, you need the Facebook ads. Hey, you need to be on Instagram. Hey, you need to be on Pinterest. All of these things pulling you in, the, in different directions. So I'm going to say that staying in your lane is overrated. Yes, it's the way to get stuff done, but it's not the way to innovate. So as you are going through your business, it's okay to stop and look at the shiny objects. It is totally all right. Where we have to be careful is to prevent burnout. We have to time the the insertion of these shiny objects in the right time for your business. So I have been guilty of signing up for four different programs, five different programs at one time because I have FOMO. I don't want to miss out on anything that is happening. But it is that curiosity that has gotten me to know a lot more that I didn't know before about publicity, about how to use Facebook pages, about Facebook ads, about podcasting. I would have never found out found out all these things if I hadn't signed up for all of these programs. Now, I am not advocating for you going out there and signing up for these programs. What I am advocating for is to not shut your eyes to the noise. Keep your eyes open to the noise, but time things right. So if you see that there is a new program coming out where you can join a podcasting accelerator like the one that I am in, right? By the way, if you would like more information about the podcasting accelerator that I took to launch this podcast, all you have to do is send me a message. Go to theglobalphenomenon.com and ask your question. Same place where you would ask questions for here. You can ask me, hey, I'm interested in that accelerator. Give me more information and I will totally give you the information for it. So there's a lot of things out there. What I want you to do is to keep a list of them is to not lose track of them. If you're focused on something else right now, like you're launching your podcast or you're launching your business or you're creating a new product for your business and then something comes up that says, oh, you should know about Facebook ads. Be aware of it and then write it down and say, okay, once I'm done with my launch, I'm coming back to this because it sounds really interesting. So don't be afraid of the noise, but definitely do it in a planned way way so that you don't end up with overwhelm and not seeing anything move forward. So for me, the tools that I use is really talk through things a lot. I have a mentor. I have business besties. Find yourself a business bestie. Find yourself a group of people who are like-minded, who understand that when you see a new ad for a new program and you want to join it, but you feel like it's just way too much, somebody you can talk through that stuff about, right? Somebody you can go and, and just tell them exactly how you feel in a way that they will commiserate right? A mentor will give you advice and a business bestie is going to tell you how they feel about it. They'll tell you how they handled it in the past and they'll commiserate. They'll say, yes, Ina, I totally get it. I understand. Or they might tell you, actually, I took that program and it was totally worth it. So you may want to do that when it rolls around next year, right? So get yourself somebody that you can talk to about these things so that they can keep you on track. A mentor is a great person to run these things by. But that's what I use. I just talk about what I want to talk about a lot and I get a lot of opinions and I end up signing up for things. Don't be afraid to sign up for things either. But know yourself. Don't burn yourself out. Know that those entrepreneurs who just put out that ad for that next shiny thing, they will be there next year if they're worth their 
if they're, they're worth anything, they will be there next year. So don't you worry about it. I hope that helps, Susan. Question number two comes from Jen Pearson at Confidently Homeschool. And this is her question. Is it better to offer a product that answers the question your, your audience is asking or the question you know they should be asking? And she gives us an example. She works with homeschooling parents and they always ask which curriculum to choose and how to structure their day. But Jen knows that that's not really the question they should be asking. That's just the technical details, right? They should be asking, how do I make this into a really, really good program for my kids? How do I inspire curiosity in my, in my kids? Uh, but she feels that people are not ready to hear that right off the bat. People are asking the wrong questions. So how do we tackle this? So her question specifically, do you create a product for what they're asking about or for what you feel like they need? A little bit of both. It sounds like you're running into um, what, what would be front-end marketing versus the back-end solution. So people are going to come to you with questions that you feel like, well, that's kind of simple. It's because people haven't um, haven't taken the chance to dive deep into the solution. That's your job. It's your job to get them to dive deep into the solution. So it's your job to educate them on the questions they should be asking. Sometimes, maybe the fact that they're asking these questions, it means that they're not your ideal client. Maybe it's somebody who's trying to pass the buck, right? Trying to, and somebody who's trying to make things happen easier, right? And there will be people like that. There are tire kickers. There are people who just want the easy way out. And then there's your ideal client who wants to know everything about your offer, who wants to know everything that's in your brain and who wants to do this right. So sometimes is the difference between a good client and a client that is not a great fit. But what you're describing right now happens in every industry. People asking questions that are way too simple and don't get into the solution. So what do you do? I would say, Meet them where they're at. If those are the questions they're asking, then by golly, you are going live in your group every single week to answer that question. You're going to be posting on Instagram every single week about how do you pick a curriculum? How you structure your day? Those are the questions you're asking. But in there, in that content that they can't wait to click on, you're going to inject those baits. You're going to inject that information that your ideal client is going to love. So you're going to start out by answering the question, this is how you structure the day. But by the way, have you noticed that your kid reacts this way to that structure? Have you noticed that your kid does better with this other structure? If you're more, if you're interested in finding out more about how to create a curious kid, how to create an environment that is conducive to creating a, cu a curious learner, then I have something else for you. And that's where you start to get into this value ladder uh, proposition, which is you get them in where they're at, but then only the right clients will be interested in that next step, which is how do you create a curious environment? I really hope that helps, but this is not a problem is something you're going to encounter. It doesn't matter what your product is. It doesn't matter what your industry is. You're always going to encounter that. People always have one question and then you have to qualify them as clients and say, would you like to dive deeper? After I've answered that question, do you have everything you need or would you like to dive deeper on doing this right? Only the right clients will say yes to the next step. And that's how you weed out those who are not a good fit and those who are. I really hope that helps you, Jen. And uh, yeah, I think 
this were, these were great questions. I would love to hear from you guys on where you are in your business. Um, and you guys, not just the people who answer the, who ask the questions, but people who are listening to this, where are you in your business and what questions are usually coming up that you haven't gotten a straight answer to, or you can't seem to find the right answer on Google because nobody's talking about it specifically. Send me your question. Go to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com and that's where the question form is. Go and check it out. All right, let's get started with our lessons. All right, are you ready to learn from JLD's business model? Things that you can apply to your business right now, even if you don't have a team and even if you are not ready to scale, even if you're just starting out. These are some really, really important things to know. So why don't we start by really talking very frankly about how much money JLD is making in his business? Because guess what? He is very open about this. You can go and find these figures at EO Fire, which stands for Entrepreneurs on Fire, eofire.com slash income. And that's going to take you there. He produces a monthly income report for you with a pie chart showing you where his income is coming from. So I am going to cover his income up up till now, up till the end of August in 2020. And I'm also going to tell you about his overall 2019 numbers so that you can see the difference between where he's at right now with the pandemic happening in 2020 and where he was in 2019. So as of right now, as of this point, a little bit over the halfway mark in 2020, he has made around 61% of his income in sponsorships, 13% on online courses, 13% on affiliates, 13% on selling his journal. He actually sells a physical journal, all totaling around $2 million of income, almost $2.2 million in income. His net income, what he actually brings home after expenses is around $1.7 million a year. Now, there's a couple of things you need to know about JLD. Number one, he started out living in San Diego. He was in California um, and California has a notoriously high tax rate for businesses. So what did he do? He found out what is the place that I could live where I could have the least amount of money that can get taken away from my income. And he found that such place is in Puerto Rico. He lives there. It has from what for anecdotally, I have not looked this up and this is not legal advice, guys. I am not a lawyer. Please get yourself a lawyer if you have more questions about this. But apparently, anecdotally, in Puerto Rico, there is something like a 4% tax uh, taxable income for businesses, but you have to live there. It's not like the it's not like Delaware. So many companies are based in Delaware because of their tax rates, but they don't actually have a headquarters there. With Puerto Rico, you actually have to live there. You can't just incorporate your company there. Again, don't quote me on this. This is all anecdotal. So what did he do? He picked up and moved to Puerto Rico. And there is a whole community of thriving entrepreneurs in Puerto Rico who live in a really, really fancy area where they have everything they need. That's where Selena Sue recently just moved down there too, for the same reasons. 
tax benefits. So it's in his best interest to keep as much of his money as possible so that he can give it away to charity so that he can give more back so that he can make a bigger impact in the world. And that's what he's chosen to do to protect his assets. Now let's talk about 2019. 2019, his gross income was $2.1 million and his take home was around 1.7. His spread his is his pie chart of where things came from is just a little bit different than 2020 so far uh, half of his income has come from sponsorships of his podcast and then the rest is pretty evenly um pretty evenly spread in the other 50 percent online courses affiliate revenue and the physical journals that they sell so why are we going through these numbers right now? Number one is because I want you to know what is possible. And I want you to know where this money comes from. Once you have a wildly successful business with a wildly successful podcast, that is the opportunity that exists out there. If you don't know these figures, if you don't know these numbers, then you're never going to be thriving towards them. I want you to have them ingrained in your head that this is possible. If JLD could do it, so can you. So why don't we get into the three things he's doing very right in his business and in his podcast podcast and that you can start doing right now. Number one is the fact that he did something very, very smart when he started his podcast. He looked at the numbers. He did the math. He said, what counts here is not the number of subscribers. It's the number of downloads. Why does that matter? Why is the difference important here? And why was that really smart for him to do? Let me give you an example. So suppose that you launch a podcast, yay, and you got 100 people to subscribe to that podcast in the first week. Wonderful. So you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to publish once a week. That's about the cadence of a normal podcast. So what is going to happen is that every week you're going to get 100 downloads. Great. But what happens if you have two episodes that week? It's still the same number of subscribers, 100 subscribers, but now you get twice the number of downloads. That's 200 downloads that week. So JLD thought about it and said, well, if more episodes means more downloads, I would be a fool to just do the bare minimum. So what did he do? He publishes his podcast every single day. So instead of getting 100 downloads like you just did, he's getting 700 downloads that week with exactly the same number of subscribers. This is something that anybody starting a podcast can do. Now, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to go that far for downloads? That is completely up to you. But that is one thing that JLD did that was extremely smart. And not only that, he also figured out that when he has an interview guest in his podcast, that multiplies his audience because now his subscribers plus the interview guest's audience. You multiply that by seven days a week, 365 days of the year, and what are you left with? Massive growth. So in your business, whether you have a podcast or not, I want you to start to think about what can you do to share audiences with others? What can you do to feature experts who already have an audience and who would be happy to share your podcast with them, right? Start to think about how to multiply your audience 
by leveraging somebody else's, perhaps somebody who has a complementary product. For example, in my business, I have a program called Be Found, which is a program that people sign up for to really dive deep into their ideal client, do their market research, really find out what the real offer is. And in my program, they get an expert, a professional developer to create their website so that they don't have to touch code ever. And they end up with a magnificent online presence, which is what I do, is what I talk about. But in my program, there's a couple of things that we don't dive very deep into, right? Like Facebook ads. It's not really a part of the program. The program is about you understanding your message and creating a website that is going to wow every ideal client of yours. But we don't really get get into Facebook ads. I answer some questions in my group. I've answered questions for clients. I tell them what I do, but I don't teach Facebook ads. So it would be a great compliment to my podcast, to my business, to my program, is to have a Facebook ads expert come in, teach something new to my audience, and perhaps we can trade services. We can trade audiences. They can come and talk to my audience while I go and talk to theirs about creating their website and about maximizing their online presence. That is a win-win situation where we both have the same audience. So start to think about those opportunities to partner up, to collaborate with other people who have the same audience and complementary services. Lesson number two, I want you to notice that for 2019 and for so far in 2020, where has most of JLD's income come from? Sponsorships. Other people seeing value in their audience, in his audience, and wanting to capitalize on it, wanting to get a little bit of that. But you don't have to have a million downloads a month in order to get paying sponsors. The best way to do this is to simply go to people who have Again, complementary audiences, complementary services for the same audience, going to them and saying, I will give you a spot to advertise in my podcast. And it doesn't have to be a $10,000 spot or a $20,000 spot. It could be a $50 spot. Hey, 50 bucks per episode, right? Gives you visibility, gives me some income, and that way we can share audiences this way. It's a win-win for anybody. And if the price is right, you're going to attract the right people. If, If they are in the same level of business that you are, if your audiences are comparable, then there is no... um you shouldn't expect them to be asking you for, hey, how many downloads you get or how many um, how many people do you have in there? Or like these numbers are very important to people who have already reached such level that they will only advertise if the podcast reaches a certain number of downloads. But there are a lot of business owners out there that you can partner up with, that you can collaborate with that will not care. If they have a similar audience size to yours, that's still a win for them. It's still a good share for them. So you can start finding sponsorships for anything you do, whether you have a podcast or not right now. You can even say, hey, you have a Facebook group. Do you have 20 people in there? Do you have 100 people in there? Do you have 500 people in there? Do you have 1,000 people in there? You can sell advertising spots. You can say, hey, if you come talk to my audience about this. You know, we get to share audiences. You can do it as a collaboration or you can say, you know, pay me 10 bucks and I will let you uh, go to my audience. So 10 bucks is a little bit low, but there are ways for you to leverage the audience that you're building right now 
in order to get sponsorships. And you do not have to be a big shot and you do not need a million downloads a month to make this happen and to start to flex your sponsorship request muscles. So start doing that. The third lesson that we can get from JLD's business model is that he's not only relying on sponsorships or his audience audience growth. He is selling programs. He has a program that he sells. He has masterminds that he invites people into. And these are high ticket items. He really capitalizes on his good fortune, on his success to really charge the right prices. When you're starting out, it may feel a little icky to charge so much. So you have to start to change your mindset a little bit. How long you have been in business has nothing to do with the value that you provide. How big your audience is has nothing to do with the value that you provide. Charge based on the value that people get, period. So through your podcast, through your, uh, you know, showing up everywhere, always be selling. There's always somebody who's listening, who wants to find out more about your programs and services. Make sure they have the opportunity to ask you about them. So that is one thing that JLD is doing really well is that every podcast episode is an opportunity for him to say, hey, you guys, I have a program to teach you about podcasting. I have a program to teach you how to launch your business. I have a program to teach you how to be a business millionaire in a few years, right? That's what people want from him. So that's what he goes and gives to them. So always be selling something in the back end, especially if you're starting a podcast. You don't want to rely just on sponsorships, just on downloads. You want to be selling to people who are your ideal client. All right. So those are the three things that you can start doing right now. If you have a business, all of these lessons should be applicable to you no matter where you are in your process. All right, how did that feel? Are you ready to apply those three lessons today to your business? If you have any more questions based on this or anything that is going on in your business right now that you feel like can be of help, go to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com and submit your question right there so that I can read it and answer it on the air in the next companion episode. And don't forget, the next episode is the amazing Pat Flynn. And he tells us a little bit about being laid off depressed, about to get married, having no money, no prospects, and then turning that energy, everything that he was going through, into a multi-million dollar empire. How do people do this? We dive deep into what it really took for him to get out of the slump and turn it into a thriving business that we all love today. That is coming up in the next episode of The Global Phenomenon. If you have any questions for me, you know where to go now, theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com. Submit it there and I will read it on the air. And also, I hope to see you in the Facebook group. It's called The Global Phenomenon. You can get to it by going to theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. And that's where I give all of the insider scoop. I do additional trainings in there. And if you have any questions, you can always pop into the group and ask them there. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Global Phenomenon with Ina Coveney. Join the conversation inside the Facebook group at theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. Listen to new interviews every Monday and learn with a companion episode every Thursday. 
this podcast was created by Ina Coveney, music by Jared LaBelle, and this was the voice of Kip Clark. <laughs>